It's good to see you. And, you know, we had a great time yesterday. Hopefully, if you were able to join us, we were at Angel Stadium, and it was like one of the coolest ever experience where uh, my son actually first time ever got a home run ball. So it was a really epic experience for us. And, uh, you know, it was but through a gen- not catching directly, but uh, through a generous friend of his who got two balls. So he gave one to me. So that was an experience. But, um, you know, I've been here around this church for many years. I grew up in this church. My name is Toby, by the way. I'm the lead pastor, but I grew up as a kid. And I've never seen this church come so close together with the Japanese and English this much as we were celebrating just a blast yesterday. And uh, hopefully that continues here at this church. And I'm just so excited. It's just been a, a wonderful experience. So we welcome you, especially if you're here for the first time. This is our church. And um, I want to ask you a question before we begin. Um, what is the most precious position for you today? Something that is precious. What is that? And then as you think about it, has that changed over the years? Has it been the same all the way through? I want to share a little bit about my treasure growing up. Because when I grew up in Japan, I was... Um, at that time, something became really popular. It was these colored origami papers. It was shiny. It wasn't as pretty as this before, but something, I went to the bookstore and I bought it for the first time. I was so proud of myself, but it's not, it didn't last for a long time. Now it's, you know, it's, it is nice, but it's not my treasure right now. <laughs> but, you know, as I grew up, you know, it became my toys. I love Transformers. That was my thing. And then it became like my comic books. Those are my treasured, precious possessions in my life. As a teenager, it changes, right? As a teenager, it was my collection of CDs, right? And I love my music. And then when I became a high school student, of course, it becomes your car. That's your possession. Like, you're, you're obsessed about it. I put in so much money to my Mitsubishi Eclipse. I don't know if you remember that. It's just an awesome car. But, and then as a college young adult, you know, you began to really cherish friends, you know, relationships. And that turned into my girlfriend who became my wife. I mean, those are the most treasured, precious position in my life. It's, and then as an adult, you know, it's, we got the family and it's really important to us, but... You know, I can't say like they're like the most precious possession because before anything, you realize as you get old, you need health. (laughs) You need to be alive. So as we all kind of come to a conclusion as we get older, and some young people, you're you're not even thinking about it. Trust me, I wasn't thinking about that either. But right now, if you're not healthy, if you can't get up in the morning, if you don't have life, you can't enjoy every all the positions that you have. So like, in a way, our most prized position or precious position in life, it has to be our life, this physical life. And even if you believe in God or not believe in God, I think it's fair to say that that is the most you know, pre- precious position for us as humanity. And we, as Christians, believe that this life is a gift from God, and that, that He's the one who gave it to us. And God truly wants us and you and I to live this rich, abundant life. But then, unfortunately, not all people in this world sees that as a life, as a gift. So they feel like that's theirs to keep. That's, that's there. They earned it. That's all for themselves. They could do whatever they want. But then that's when you kind of miss out on what life is what it's meant to be. So today, um, in the story that we're going to look into in chapter 12 of Luke, we find a man who felt life was all to himself. He didn't want to share anything. And it was all about him. 
He lived for himself. And Jesus basically turned to him and says, you are a fool. I mean, just imagine that. The, the son of God, God looking at you saying, you're a fool. I mean, we definitely never want that to happen in our lives. But thankfully, Jesus offered a solution. How not to be a fool. So I picked up four things, four tips where Jesus says, you got to be careful of these things. And when we do, when we apply those four things in our lives, I guarantee we will live a rich life. Maybe not a rich life in the eyes of this world, or maybe in your opinion, but in God's sight, this is a life that is abundant and is rich. And don't we want that in our lives to be rich according to God or towards God? So that's what we're going to dive into this content in chapter 12 of Luke. So here is Luke. This is called the Gospel of Luke. This is the life account of Jesus Christ. And Luke uh, wrote this to to share with his friend, uh, Theophilus. And this is what Jesus' life is all about. So it is, in a way, uh, explaining to us who Jesus is and what he taught. And as we know, we've been looking through his journey, Jesus was in Galilee. It was a place where he did a lot of ministry. There's miracles, and he's teaching the kingdom of God, and he's telling people to repent because he is the Messiah, the Son of God. And now he is making his way down to Jerusalem from Galilee, which is another part of Israel, going down to Jerusalem where what is waiting in Jerusalem. It's not your typical journey that he would go to see the temple or go to the temple each year, but this time it's different. This time, it is for him to be the sacrifice of the sins of the world, to be dying on that cross. He knew that was coming. His his footsteps became heavy as he approaches the cross. And this is where we find him in chapter 12, where Jesus was going to be the sacrifice all. And then these people came to say, you're wrong. We don't see you as a savior at all. And they were the Pharisees. They says, we got the answer. We know the truth. And you are all wrong. And they're the people who's denying Jesus and denying him for who he is. But we got to be careful. We learned last week that Jesus said, hey, woe to you, Pharisees. But if we're not careful, we too could be called woes or we too could be say, hey, you better be careful. And, And that's the humility that we approach this text today in chapter 12, verse 1. Let me read this for you. It says, meanwhile, this is chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm going to be reading in the NIV version. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so they were trampling on one another. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So what is this yeast? It is what you put in the bread that will raise the bread. It is is a representation of pride, a representation of hypocrisy. And now Jesus later goes on right right after says, hey, you can't hide anything from God because whenever you hide it on the judgment day, God already knows what is you've been hiding. So mine as well. Don't hide anything. And he says, don't be a hypocrite, which is the first tip for us not to be fools in this world, to live a rich life according to God. Tip number one, are you ready? He says, well, I already said it. Beware of hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocrite. Hypocrisy. What does that mean? Is, is, is knowing the truth. You know what is right. And you actually impose that on others. But you will not obey it. That's hypocrisy. For example, if I'm here to teach about, hey, we got to be honest. we gotta, we got to be loving. But then I'm living my life 
you know, in my public, or that my, my public life says, hey, you got to be uh, honest, but in my private life, I'm lying all over the place. I'm, I'm, I'm mistreating my wife and not loving at all. I mean, that's called hypocrisy. Hypocrisy will always create a distance between you and God, always. And in fact, it'll probably create distance with other people as well, because that's what hypocrisy do. In people, and we could smell hypocrisy miles away. And Jesus says, if you are not careful and just keep living a hypocrite life, you'll be a fool. So that's tip number one. And then the second and the third tip is kind of interchange, not, it's somewhat combined. And we're going to read this from chapter 12, verse 4 through 5. We're going to read this together. If you could see on the screen real quick. And here we go. It says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you who you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. I mean, wow, that's like pretty intense right there. But that reveals us such an important element and such important truth of the Bible. But before we, we kind of dive right into that, Jesus also goes on to say that you are precious in the sight of God. He loves you. You are not forgotten. He is a good God. And this is the, mess, the total package of the message. And we've got to make sure we hear that too. And then by, but you know, know that God is good. He loves you, cares for you. And so, therefore, make sure you fear God. What is this fear of God? Fear doesn't mean you got to be afraid or you can't even look at it in the face because you're so scared. That's not what it means. Fear of God basically means that you know that He has all authority of your life. All authority. When it's said and done, He has the final say. He has the authority and when we truly acknowledge that, that means we are fearing God. And that is important because when we don't take Him seriously, who are we to say we want to go into heaven? See, He is the author of heaven and earth. And He's the one that has the authority to say, hey, you are able to go to, to heaven. And Jesus Himself becomes the way, right? We already know that, that He is the way, He's the truth, He's the, he is the light. And now Jesus says, follow me. Now, isn't it beautiful in verse 4, it says, Jesus says, He calls us His friend. Isn't that beautiful? You know, He is, God is the authority, but God is also a friend. You know, I used to mentor this young man who was super, super intelligent, and he really basically changed his life around. He became a, a, a follower of Jesus, and he began to take God really seriously, and I saw grand transformation in his life. It was beautiful. But he, 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 he really understood the fear of God, that he has to be truly respectful for God. His life straightened up. It was great. But when I said, you know what? God is also your friend. He started like shaking. It's like, no, I can't understand. He's like the authority. He can't be my friend. And he began to like shake because it was so hard for him to understand. Maybe he had a really tough father or maybe he had a really you know a, a, a tainted view of like authority figure but he just could not put authority and friend together eventually he came to know that jesus is his friend but we too must understand that he's not just this god that is like full-on authority but he is the friend who comes beside you encourages you tap on your shoulder pushes your back to say hey i'm with you this is the two concepts that we got to understand 
And therefore, Jesus says, even though he's telling us like super hard truth, he says, hey, my friends, I want you to hear this. The second tip and the third tip, like I said, it's combined. So the second one is that we got to fear God, but not in this weird way, but in this very authentic, healthy way. Fear God. You know that he has the authority. But also the third tip is to make sure you have eternal perspective. Life isn't just for here on earth, but life, in our mind, it is everlasting life. Make sure that you have that eternal perspective. So we need those things. Fearing God, but also having the eternal perspective. Jesus says, follow me. I will lead you to the Father. And through me, you'll have eternal life. See, we need to have that eternal perspective, but also understand His authority. We need both. And He's saying that don't be afraid because as you follow Me, you might get persecuted. You might even get killed. But don't even fear death. And we're like, why? What? That's, that's crazy. Because I thought fear, I'm sorry, death was our ultimate enemy. But Jesus says don't even fear death. But fear the one who could throw you into hell. See, fearing God, but also we need to have an eternal perspective because if we don't, we'll just be fools. We will miss out on life as Jesus invites us to live. When, because when we don't fear God, life will take a hold of you. It will control you. But when we do fear God, God controls your life, doesn't it? And then when we lack eternal perspective, what happens? We will be fearful of everything, especially death. Because that is the end. But when we have the eternal perspective, we fear not. We know we don't need to fear death because we know it is a transition point. That is a completely different life. So tip number two, fear God. Tip number three, have eternal perspective. And then we're going to look into the final tip. This fourth tip that Jesus teaches us through this passage. And I think it's the most profound lesson but before we get into that, we got to look into the context of how Jesus shared this story. Because from a crowd, there was a man who came to Jesus says, Hey, asking for a settlement on an inheritance that I need my money. See, you know, obviously this time and our time, what is consistent is that more money, more problem. You know, I mean, it just has so much. And uh, Jesus knew that his problem wasn't to have the inheritance. He knew something deeper that was affecting him. And that's exactly what we're going to get into. But it was so common at that time for a rabbi, a Jewish teacher, to settle like a dispute like this. Because the rabbi did all that stuff. You know, marriage disputes and inheritance disputes. It's like a lawyer at that time. But Jesus didn't want to just be that typical rabbi. He wanted to go deeper and to really talking and, and really hitting the point that was much deeper and that point was in verse 15 we're gonna look at verse 15 of luke 12 it says then he said to them watch out be on your guard against all kinds of what greed life does not consistent in an abundance of positions see this man thought that as long as he had the inherit if he has his share his life is good Material position meant everything to him. And he said, hey, that, I want my share, and I want us to say, that's it. Gone. Have you heard that story somewhere? It happened a little bit later in Luke. You know the story of the prodigal son? 
That's just like him, right? As long as I have my share, I'm good. But Jesus to them said, real life is not measured by how much you have. It's not about the the position. It is so opposite of this society, don't you think? I mean, in our capitalistic world, we, we are taught to make more money so that you people respect you. You have more authority. You have more power. You have, you're more in control. As long, get more and more and more. And we, we, we are sold out for that concept. And we tirelessly work for that to get more and more. More reputation, more honor, more respect, more. And it's just an endless cycle of more. But to, 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 to this society... And to him who was got it completely wrong, Jesus shared this parable of a rich fool. This, this man had this great harvest. You know, this is a rich man. We don't even know how much, but it was a lot. It was a lot more than he could enjoy all his life. But he just had this great barn where he stored all his food. But this in partic- year in particular, he had abundance of crop. It was a lot more than he wanted, he could expect. So he was so happy. He's like, hey, let's break my, let's, let's, let's destroy my barn. Let's create even a bigger barn so to hold more. And that's how he said, hey, now I don't have to worry about anything. I am happy. I am good. And let's just enjoy life all to myself. And that was his attitude. When we look at the Greek language of this parable, we find four times the word my. It's my, my, my. And then eight times, I. It's about him. It's all about him and nobody else. And that was this man, this rich fool, who thought the material things could buy him everything. It would give him pleasure, security, meaning to his life. But think about it. None of those things are eternal. And I want you to really think about it in your shoes Are you crazy after the positions and the material things of life? Perhaps you're the cash and the bank account and the reputations. Maybe the car you have. Maybe the house you bought. I mean, you put in so much effort to get that. So is it that give you security, peace, maybe meaning to your life? We can't take any of those up to heaven. And even just, if you think about it, even church too. This building, these nice brand new chairs that we bought, we can't take this to heaven. We don't need it. But we think like if we have it, it feels good, right? Or even relationship is we have good relationships, good marriage that, that really gets us really feel meaningful and good, which is not a bad thing. But none of those things, we can't take it to heaven automatically. But when we have all those things, we feel good about ourselves. And we say, even though we know this is momentarily, the more we have, we feel like, hey, just like the rich fool, let's enjoy this. Let's not worry about this. Verse 20 says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, taken away from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up everything for themselves, but is not rich towards God. What if Jesus comes back today? What if there is no tomorrow? Because we never know. We don't know what's going to happen to us. Hour later, 
who are we to say, let's just enjoy and relax? What is going to happen to the things that you spent all your life building up all for yourself? What's going to happen to that? I mean, it's great to have position. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to have a nice house, a car. I mean, it's good to have nice chairs. It's all good stuff. It's a blessing from God, right? But now if you have it, then go use that for others. Go bless others with it. Don't just keep it to yourself. So Jesus, through this story, wanting us to know that we have a greed issue. We all have a greed issue that is concerned about ourselves. We are all subject to this lesson because we are, after all, a self-centered creature by nature. We have to take a conscious effort. We have to make a very tireless effort, make sure that we are not controlled by the greed inside of us. And the fourth tip, and I think it's the most profound, and I think it summarizes all the message here, is watch out for greed. Greed that says it's all about you. Here's a line that I want you to memorize. Are you ready? Be freed from greed and God will lead. Can you say that again? Be freed from greed and God will lead. I think that's, that, that really helps us to understand how God's going to lead because we've got to be free from that greed. Hey, memorize it, okay, because I'm going to test you later. So please get that. I'll check with you. I'll, I'm going to check with you. But we've got to be honest. If you want to be freed from greed, we've got to be honest about what is taking control of our hearts. It might require us to reorder things in life. It might force us to honor others a lot more than you've been honoring others. But when you be freed from those greed, God's going to lead. And please be excited for where he's going to take you. He's going to take you farther. He's going to take you deeper. Be ready for that. Be freed from greed. Now, I asked you this question in the beginning of life. Or what is the most precious position in your life? It is life. But we, let's use this life to find our eternal life. But you know, think about this. I want to switch up a little bit. What if we ask, hey God, what is the most important, precious position for you? So we've asked that question. What if we ask the same question to God? God's answer is the same. His answer is, according to the Bible, His most precious position is your life, your well-being. Let's read Isaiah 43, 4. You've heard this before. We've seen this many times. So let's revisit this because it's a timeless message. Let's read this together. Come on. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Amen to that. Oh, wow. Come on. Amen to that. See, you, God said you are precious. You are so loving, lovable. Just like when I look at my son... Like, he's like a month and a half old creature that is just so lovable. I mean, I, it is so precious to me. I mean, he is like, everything about him, I'm just so, just, he's, everything is precious. His, his voice, his, his fingers that are like, like, I don't know, it's weird, but it's precious to me. Like, even like the weight of the baby, he's so like, he's like six and a half pounds still, and it's like so precious. Or just even like his, his, his hair, 
like there's little hair that is growing from his ears. It's like it's fuzzy and it looks like a monkey. And he's like a little monkey. He's clinging on to his mother. And it's like, you know, he's our little monkey. And like we just think it's so precious. Even when he like vomits all over the place. <laughs> it's even, I mean, after like four times in a row, we're like, oh my goodness. But yeah, it's, it's still precious and like two nights ago we're just like in the bedroom and my wife was changing the diapers and as soon as she took the diaper off we saw something and landed on my wife's clothes and to me that was precious but for her i don't know but you know but everything every little detail about this baby is so precious and of course our siblings their their siblings too they're precious but you know they get a little more annoying but you know it's but 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 overall they're all precious and i want you to know that even me as an imperfect father feels so precious looking looking at my kids so precious you know, I get, you know, restless and I get stressed and I, I, I'm not always loving as I should be. But our Father, our God, look at you and says, you're precious. Every little vomit you spill, every little mistake you make, every piece of hair or lack of hair. I mean, He just loves it. I mean, every detail of you. He can't take His eyes off of you because He is in so much in love with you. I mean, gotta get this. And He never grows old. He never gets tired of loving you. I sometimes get tired of my kids. But God is not me. He is the most awesome Father and He will always look at you and say, You are precious. So precious to the point where I'm going to exchange my son for you. I mean, now we know this crazy love of God. How can we live deeper in love, fall in deeper in love with him? Don't we want to live a life that we're going to make our dad proud and thank him for loving us so much and for us to represent that love the best that we can? Don't we want to live that type of life? A rich life and not as a fool. So how do we do that? Remember the four things? Don't be a hypocrite. Fear God. Don't lack eternal perspective. And watch for greed. And that's when we live a rich life. Maybe not towards the world, but towards God. We definitely live a rich life where our wealth, our being, our gifts... We don't use it for us anymore, but we use it for His priorities. And now we love God so much, we're filled with His passion. And now we are just in love and wanting to obey Him and serve Him and to give and give and give because we've received so much. We call that here at this church a life of an overflow. How will you use the rest of your life? You know, just a few weeks ago, my wife came home with a bag from Nordstrom Rack, you know, and, and she had this nice dress. It's like this summer dress, you know, it's kind of casual. And she says, guess how much this was? And, you know, when she tells me that I know I want, I should like put a higher estimate so she feels good. So I said, hey, maybe 30, 50 bucks. Oh, really? It looks like 50 bucks. She's like, happy, right? So I, I lower it, lower it. And she's like, guess how much? Now it's lower. And she's lower. And her smile is getting bigger and bigger. And she said, you won't believe this. This dress was one cent. <laughs> I was like, all right. So 
So she's like so happy that she got this deal, right? And she had to tell someone. So she told me, like, and like she reminded me how good of a shopper she is. I, I, maybe I'm making these things up. She's right there, so I can't really. Uh, um, but the point is, she had a deal that she had to take. And she could not stop telling. And you know what? Don't you think that we have a deal that is so too good to be true. And it's even cheaper than one cent. It's zero. Nada. This gospel message is free for us to receive. All we have to do is receive it humbly. And this is the gospel message that we're talking about. And that cost us nothing but you know what it cost jesus everything it cost his own life so that you may enjoy the eternal life because the father gave him in exchange for you we know this john three sixteen. for god so loved the world he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but they have eternal life i mean isn't this just this is just too incredible to be true I mean, like, this is our God. He was completely freed from greed. So, so should we. You know, that story of Nosham Rack has a special meaning to me. Because, you know, my wife was so happy to spend less for herself. So that she could spend more for her children. I mean, I know this girl. I mean, we were dating you know, and, and when I first met her, it was all about like brand name clothes. It was all about like having the most, most expensive thing. Maybe not like that, but you know, she's looking at me, so I should be careful. But you know, like it was all about like, you know, having nice and expensive thing that gave him, gave her a lot of good feelings about herself. But over the years, God really changed in her. And of course, you know, I mean, she obviously loved nice things. Don't take me wrong. And I think she deserves that. But the point is, she's always thinking about her kids first. I mean, how, how a person could change so much. And it's, it's, it's just being free from her greed. I mean, about all about her to all about others. And I've seen a transformation and God is leading her in a powerful way. And that's what happens in our lives when we are freed from greed. Remember that line? Can we say it? What was it? Be what? Yeah, there you go. And that's, that is so true. And, and, and when, I, when our life isn't about us, whew, be ready for God to be leading you. And I've seen so many lives being led by that same spirit. Less of them, more of God. Just imagine Phil's mom, you know, she, she's in Japan serving all the moms in, moms in Tokyo. You know, she could have just lived her life here. But she's like all the way over there. I mean, when I look at Heavenly Treasures and all that, all our people, wonderful people, um, you know, they're constantly going to Africa, India, and meeting people. And it's not the best places to go, but they go anyways because they're just so sold out on this concept that they're going to go to these countries, make, bring their products, and then sell it here. And, and they're like in muddy areas and, and all the... It's not the cleanest places in the world, but they would go because they're not motivated by their greed, but they want to see God lead. 
I mean, that's the story that we see all over. The, the, the Gene and Minori Hall that we prayed for last week. And we're going all the way to, after an established career here as a pastor, he's going to Japan, which is like the hardest place, one of the hardest places to ministry. He's going there for church planting and, and leadership development in Southeast Asia. I mean, can you just imagine what amazing heart that is? And you know, we too has an opportunity to live that out too. To be less of us and more of others. Um, on August 3rd, we could all go to Costa Mesa Crossing Church and we could serve the homeless people. And we could, you could either spend Saturday morning just for yourself or just that two and a half hours to go there and see the reality and, and be an encouragement for others who are far more in need. What if we could all be a community uh, that represents God's values i mean just imagine what it's going to do to our church when we it's all about it's not it's not about us and we're being freed to be led by god just imagine what this church can be together sold out for that sold out and to be freed from greed just imagine what's going to happen See, maybe there's going to be misunderstanding. Maybe there's inconvenience. Maybe there's even a persecution that we encounter as we follow Jesus. But let us be the people, just like those people that I explained already, refusing to live life just for themselves. And that life is such a rich life. It's not a life of a fool, but a man and woman sold out for the mission of God here in this world. Let's live that together. Amen, church? Weekly challenge. Here you go. So for the no, we all want you to read Luke, you know, the same chapters we covered. There's a lot that I didn't get to cover, but please read that. Isaiah 43, John 3.16. And how is God speaking to you the very time you're reading that? Let Him speak to you boldly, okay? And then grow. Which one of you struggle, these things you struggle the most? Hypocrisy or, you know, or fear of God? Because for some, it's just maybe hard to think, you know, God, what is fear? I mean, maybe you struggle with that. Or hope of eternity. Maybe there's like a little bit of doubt still. Or maybe for some of you, it's greed. What are, what is one of them that you struggle with? And then share that, your struggle with a genuine friend. And then pray together with that person. I mean, blessed are those who are able to share these. And that's what we're here for. So let's do, let's grow together. And an overflow, think of a practical way where you can be free from greed so, so that God can lead you. Take a step of faith and see what God will do in your life, in and through your life, for the help of someone else. It's going to be an exciting week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we are just in awe of what you gave to us, your very own Son, in exchange for our life because you saw us so precious to the point where you gave up your most prized position to win me back win us back what do we do to deserve that nothing and it cost jesus everything but with that truth in mind we come to you humbly and say we want to be free from all greed that was concerned about me and we want to be used by you and for you to lead. Would you do that in our lives? Would you open up those doors that we kept shut and all to ourselves? Free us from that. Free us from self-centeredness. Free us from hypocrisy. And lead us 
in a way that we can't even imagine for ourselves right now. But when we give that up to you, when we surrender that to you, we hope that you will be glorified in our lives. And I, we can't wait to see what you're going to do in each one of our lives. But as a church, as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters sold out in Jesus Christ, we are so excited and in healthy anticipation for all that you're going to do in and through each one of us and through this church. We look forward to that because this world that we serve is so much in need of you. Help us to be part of that plan. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's children said, Amen. All right, let's, uh, let's keep worshiping. You can all stand.